Foster Care Awareness Month. Just go ahead and read my shirt right now so you can see what it is. Uh, this was gifted to me by the Executive Director Philip of Foster the Bay, and uh, I thought it would be an appropriate shirt to wear. That way you're not wondering, what does his shirt say the entire time I'm trying to talk? Well, we have a great community here at Neighborhood Bible Church, and all the different generations are represented. I really miss seeing everyone in this room and all of you mixed together like a giant generational fruit salad. Um, that's one of the huge blessings of coming to church, isn't it? We just all show up and, and interact just like a, a, a family should. I want to start this morning with an apology to some of our smallest members of the church. Uh, we have had no first Sundays of the month since this whole thing began. We basically got off and running, and we got out of our rhythm of something that we're really used to doing, which, which is this. Every first Sunday of the month, we give special attention to the fact that our children stay in with us the entire Sunday, and we just sort of got out of that, and it is unchristlike not to acknowledge or welcome the children. So we are repenting of that. Repenting means we're going to change our mind. We're going to turn our ways around, and we are going to, uh, to make, things, make things better. Um, sometimes I know for kids, church can feel just like this. Um, it's, it's not our intent, um, but it can feel really serious and stern and stiff and boring. By the way, a side note, leave this up for a second. Um, you'll notice Jameson uh, on the far, what is it, left of your screen. This is us supposed to be looking tough and mean and stern like, like Roman guards or like a quarterback with linemen. I'm not sure what the image is. But Jameson can't help but look like happy and approachable. Like this is his tough, stern look. I love that. All right, well, it was, listen, it was never our intent to ignore you, so we're going to correct it, and I deem today a kid fun zone. Here's what's the wonderful thing. You don't have to be a kid to enjoy a kid fun zone. We're going to play with the formula just a little bit this morning because our text really allows for it. Turn in your Bible to Luke 18. Uh, either open your app or open your Bible, whatever it might be. What we see is this. We see babies being brought to Jesus. We see disciples keeping babies away from Jesus. And we see Jesus saying things that utterly freak people out because it's so different than what they had been taught and what they have come to believe. Uh, to, to read this morning, um, we're going to go live uh, as of a few days ago to Juliana. She's going to read our passage. So Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 15. We're just covering 15 to 17 this week. So follow along as Juliana Giordano reads for us. Luke 18, 15 through 17. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Luke eighteen fifteen through 17 All right, thanks, thanks Juliana. Uh, listen, we have a special kids live chat question this morning, okay? So this is for you children out there. I want you to be the ones to be writing this question in. And here's your question. You get to answer one of two questions. One is, what makes you feel important and loved? What is it that makes you feel important and loved? And parents, if you want to do the typing, you can say, this is so-and-so, and then, and then answer that. And then secondly, 
What is it, children, that makes you feel kind of deflated, kind of ignored and put out and dismissed? So those are your two live stream questions for us. Jesus is the master teacher, and one of the things he does as a master teacher is he uses teachable moments. So some people are bringing Jesus to him, and he launches into this great little nugget that only covers a few verses, but gives us some some really amazing lessons that are embedded in this little life moment. So infants are being brought to Jesus, and he uses the occasion to teach. And here are the two big ideas, okay? Number one is this, let the children come. Let the children come to me. Don't hinder that process. Little eternal souls are not a bother. They're not a nuisance. They're not going to one day be valuable. Little eternal souls are not inconveniences. They are important right now, and they are to be welcomed. Secondly is that we're to become like the children, Children, are add, children add nothing to their own rescue except for their need. That's what they bring. That's what they bring to the equation. And because of this, children are a model for us to look at and a model for us to learn from. Because what happens is this. They know that they are needy, and so they walk right into the kingdom of God, never trying to add to the gift that's being offered to them. Again, if you struggle with zoning in and out. Let me give you the whole Sunday morning sermon in a few words. Here it is. Ready? Let the children come, become like the children. That's it. That's what Jesus is trying to drive home. So we're going to unpack this a little bit. So number one is this. We must welcome children. And if you're astute and a Calvin and Hobbes fan, you'll notice the font. That's the Calvin and Hobbes font for you. We must welcome children. Little eternal souls are not a bother. So the disciples act as baby bouncers, right? What's a bouncer? A bouncer is like a bodyguard. It's like, you know, we're not letting any babies get to Jesus on my watch. Go away. I'm not sure what they were afraid of, of babies getting near Jesus. Maybe they didn't want the babies to spit up on Jesus. He always has that nice red sash and the robe, and maybe he just doesn't want any baby sauce on it. Um, and so, so they just, you know, they just didn't want him uh, near him. So probably it wasn't spit up. Probably it was the fact that as a traveling rabbi, they had been taught, don't bother me with children. He's too important. His time is too important for him to be dealing with babies and little children. Children, you ever feel like that? You ever feel like, like you were just uh, dismissed? You know, I sure did as a kid. I can remember that really clearly. And here's the sad part. I'm now an adult, and I'm sure that I make my kids feel this way at times. I'm like most adults. I do serious adult things. And, and kids are just wanting my time, but I've got serious adult things to go on. And so, uh, although they're very, very important to me, each of my children and all of you in the church, you're so important to me. But sometimes in the moment, I get sidetracked and I've got to do something and I've got a deadline and I'm thinking about all these different things. You know, one of the things that we're doing with our distance crisis learning um, is we're, I'm bringing one of my kids often to the work here because no one's here except for me and we're the same household, so they do their schoolwork here. It's hard to find a quiet spot in our home. And the other morning, this week, I was driving with Eli to the church and we were pulling into the parking lot and I sort of hear Eli say, Dad, Dad, like you just asked me a question. And I said, what? And I, and, and I realized I said it with some annoyance. He said, Oh, I was just letting you know how cool the clouds looked. Do you know what I was already doing? I'll tell you. Uh, I was already thinking about work. 
I was in work mode. I was pulling into this place, running through my checklist, thinking of who I need to get back to, thinking of what I didn't get done yesterday. Does this sound familiar, parents? And here's my precious little son. Dad, I was just trying to let you know the clouds seemed kind of cool. This happens to us, and, it, and, it, and it, it takes time to kind of unlearn this and work well. Jesus is different from all the other world religions, and frankly, Jesus is different than most every adult that you'll know. Luke, Dr. Luke, who was led by the Holy Spirit, he takes great care to show how much Jesus cares for people that most in, in their time consider unimportant and leave by the wayside. He takes the list of who's important and who should be followed, and he flips it upside down. We live in a place and a time that strangely both puts children sometimes up as supreme and all-important, or sometimes overlooks them completely and is incredibly dismissive to them. Uh, as a youth pastor, I came across parents, and, and all of their energy was poured into junior. And so it was a one-two punch of mom and dad constantly uh, talking about that. Teachers, you can relate to this. You've got a whole classroom to think about, and they're really dialed in on, on their kid. And this is a natural thing that, that goes on. But, but I've seen couples pour so much energy into their child or children and do that for a lifetime, and they've sort of hoisted them up as the center of the family. And what happens is this. Children make terrible little g-gods. You know why? Because children grow up and they move away. It's happened more than once on my watch as a youth pastor and just, just in the church, people I dearly love and care about, where once the work of raising a child is over, so is the marriage. Once the work of raising the child is over, the, the marriage, they, they try to rebuild and some don't make it. Some are able to rebuild and go, wow, we lost our focus. We put so much on junior and now we've got to rebuild our marriage. So children uh, sometimes can be all important, um, but, but there are also those who, who almost treat children as invisible or ignored. Here's a curious thing. Uh, some in our city see and compliment and fawn over a well-dressed little doggy with hipster owners, and they overlook little people in their midst. They don't even see the people, but a dog shows up and mind blown, what a cute outfit. And you would think that we're in bizarro land, but this is just called the Silicon Valley. I want to read some of the answers um, that we have this morning uh, from, from those of you who posted. So this is going to take just a little bit of, of dead time, so bear with me. Good morning. Lots of you are saying good morning, by the way. It's really fun to, to see that. All right. Um, so Joshua Duncan, I love this. He says, my parents, to both questions. Josh, I'm right there with you. I'm sure my kids could answer that same way. Ruth said this, that you love me. Um, Eli says, mom and dad or my dog make me feel loved, and listening to people uh, makes me feel ignored. Um, John Long says that birthdays uh, seem to be a popular answer to the first one. Um, Important and loved is to be included. Uh, good answer, Joshua Duncan. I agree. Um, all right, little Robert says, I feel ignored when mom says, just a minute, and it's been a long time. Indeed. Um, let me do a couple more. Landon says, parents helping me. That makes you feel welcome and loved, I bet, when your parents help you. And for the second, when friends are talking and don't listen to me. Oh, man, that hurts. 
Cassie's got one. My family and friends make me feel loved. Gabriel says, God makes me feel loved. Micah says that playing games with others. And Ava says, when someone does something for me. Sadie, I'm going to read one more. Sadie says that what makes her feel ignored is not having one-on-one time. Man, so cool to hear that. Thank you, guys. Sorry if I didn't get to your answer. We could only get to so many. Uh, But thanks for letting us have a peek into your life. Do you know how we learn to welcome children well? We ask the children. You can hear what's important to kids just by asking a question. You guys just modeled something for us very quickly and without any preparation. You just opened your heart to us. You just told us, hey, here's what's going on. Here's how I feel loved, and here's what kind of deflates me and makes me feel ignored. Kids, we're listening Adults, let's grow in this. Let's really listen and give our attention to kids. So back to the passage. What are the parents doing in the passage of these babies? It says they brought babies and kept on bringing babies. That's how the language reads. Parents are doing what parents do. We try to do our best for our kids. What a cool thing that the parents, all they know is we should bring our babies to Jesus. We have a modern-day sort of equivalent that's called baby dedications. We bring babies up here. Remember the days when we'd all be here together and we'd dedicate babies? We're still going to do those, by the way. But that's a modern-day equivalent of just wanting blessing. Probably Jesus, as a rabbi, was going to bless them and lay hands on them. And this is what the disciples um, didn't think was important. So that's what parents are doing. What are the disciples doing? The disciples are doing what disciples of Jesus have done for centuries. Ready? They're speaking up for Jesus and getting it completely wrong. They are saying, wait a minute, here's what Jesus thinks is important, and it's completely opposite of what Jesus actually says is important. Now, disciples don't always do that, right? We get it right sometimes. Um, But here they are speaking up for Jesus. No babies! Get the babies away from Jesus. And Jesus actually rebukes not the babies or the parents, but he rebukes and instructs the disciples. And he says, listen, knock it off. Don't you dare stop the babies from coming to me. This sounds like my wife. You get a baby near my wife. She says, man, if I were to ever step in front of her, I would get the wrath of my wife. Do not stop babies from getting to my wife. Don't stop babies from getting to Jesus. Let me give you a profound sentence. I think it's profound. Just as I I sat with this and thought about these last few weeks, here it is. Luke shows us that Jesus rewards the ignored who come to him in faith. Jesus rewards the ignored who approach him in faith. Let me walk through the last few weeks just very, very quickly. Remember the widow? The widow can't get justice. Why? Because she has no power. And Luke takes pains to show us the widow and that she gets justice. How about the tax collector? The tax collectors were just like, stay, stay social distance to your rest of your life. Stay away from me, you traitor. And the tax collector, you could say, got justice, as in he understood justice, and that's why he begged for mercy. And what did he get? He got mercy. He went home righteous because he understood that. And now we have babies and children. There's two different words used in these couple of verses. One is for babies, one is for young children. And these are the ones that are totally at the mercy of other people to merely survive. So hear me. If you are feeling ignored... If you feel like the outcast, if you feel like the one that's always at the bottom of the world's list, take heart. Jesus sees you. Jesus cares for you. The scriptures point out so plainly that Jesus rewards the ignored when we come to him in faith. 
And that's what we're seeing in this passage. You know, this church, Neighborhood Bible Church, from day one, we want to be like Jesus. So from day one, we have actually tried hard to welcome children. We've tried to be really intentional about that. Kids, bear with us, because when we get old and gray, we forget. We forget what it's like to be kids. And so we do stuff sometimes that's really stern and adult-like and super important, and we just sort of forget. So bear with us, but we from day one have always wanted to welcome children. Not just one Sunday a month, but every single time we ever gather. There's a certain rhythm that we've had from day one, and that is this. Every single Sunday, the kids are with us um, all, all during the opening music and prayer and, and offering time and, and all of that. And that's for, for a couple of reasons. One is, children, you need to see the adults in your lives worshiping God singing their hearts out to God, tearing up and crying to God, joyfully singing and praising Him. You need to see them praying. You need to hear and be a part of adult-type things. But secondly, did you know that the adults need to see you singing? We need to see you joyfully expressing your heart. There's probably nothing that delights me more sitting here on a Sunday morning than just sort of hearing and watching and observing the people of God sing. And you children just just bring huge delight into my life by seeing that. I miss that so incredibly much. So we learn from one another. Now here's the rhythm. Typically, we will dismiss you three times out of the four Sundays to go off to, to, to kids' church and do some different things after the music time, but you're always welcome to stay. One Sunday a month, we keep you in the entire Sunday, and what that is is that's to begin to train you in the ways of the community of faith and, and grow sort of as, as you get there. As you get older, once you're a middle schooler, we invert that formula. And so middle schoolers tend to stay in with us three Sundays out of the week or out of the month. And then the last Sunday of the month, they go off and do special middle school things. So we do this with, a, with great intentionality because we think that's what Jesus would have us do. Let me go on to our title for a moment. The title, A Little Help, kind of reminds us of some things, doesn't it? A little help is something that I've used on the sports field for a long time. It's an admission of need. Hey, my ball just rolled into your court. A little help? I need some help getting it back. But a little help is sort of a double ring. It also means that this precious little soul um, helps us to see our spiritual state. Children are little helps to us adults, if we're paying attention. Little reminders of how God sees us. You see, this baby brings nothing to the shopping process except need. This little baby is not the slightest bit concerned about the price of things, the checkout line, price comparisons, how many ounces for a dollar, and what's on sale. I want this image seared into your brain because it's us. And then one more thing, if you zoom in really tight, it, this baby should not be left unattended. That's really clearly on the handle of the shopping cart. Now, parents, I know like me, you disobey this. Here's the beautiful thing. God never does. He never leaves us alone. He never leaves us to ourselves the way that us parents will sometimes do with our own kids. This is Jesus' point in holding up children as an illustration. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Why? Because they get it, that it's pure gift. There's no need striving for something that you couldn't possibly earn and is being offered to you free of charge. Kids, 
get this. So let the little children come, become like the children. This is such a straightforward gospel passage. When you see things like the word of God, uh, I mean the kingdom belongs to children, you must receive the kingdom of God. It ought to make our ears perk up to say that, that we won't get in if we don't do this. So this is a, a requirement. Reminds me of Gandalf. You shall not pass, right? Like you can't get in unless you become childlike. Man, it really behooves us. There's a cool word. It really behooves us to figure out what does that mean? What does it mean to do that? Let me give you a sort of one more picture of this. When, when Jesus meets with Nicodemus, there was something about the miracles of Jesus that stirred in Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, and he goes to Jesus at night, probably because he was a little bit embarrassed that he was doing this. He goes to Jesus at night, and he asks him this point-blank question, and here's what Jesus says about salvation. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And it leads to an incredible conversation of this ruler, this guy filled with knowledge. He should be one of the haves. And God leads him to a place where he, he needs to see that he has nothing. He has to come like a child. So this leads us to our second big idea, that we must become like children. Now let me just say this out front, because some of you are already thinking this. Uh, being childlike is not the same as being childish. A couple of verses here. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. And then also in Ephesians 4.14, no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Grow up in Christ. So when I say become childlike, it is not an excuse to remain childish in your filth, childish in your sin. Remember, come as you are, but don't stay that way. Jesus is going to grow you up. So what growing up and becoming like children is, is that you must get into a mindset, an understanding that you cannot earn the love of God and you can't add the kingdom of God to one of your accomplishments. Can you guys advance one slide? My, my clicker is not working. Thank you. So let me rattle off some ways that um, children are absolutely amazing. Kids have this innate ability to be amazing at some things, almost across the board. And I want to point these out because some of us adults have forgotten. Kids, you already know. You already know that you're amazing at these things. But let me just rattle some of these off. If you're taking notes, you can jot some of these down. The first one is this. Kids are amazing at not feeling embarrassed that they have needs or were wrong. Now, this is my daughter, little Tegan. Look how happy little Tegan looks. Little Tegan um, just hiked many, many miles in blazing hot weather up at Hetch Hetchy Reservoir. Here's my question. Do you think little Tegan is worried or embarrassed that she didn't help out much on the hike at all, except for add more weight to dad? Here's the answer. Not even a little. That's not even remotely on her mind. She's needy and she's not embarrassed. If I could put a little thought bubble next to her, it might say this, duh, I'm a kid. 
I can't be hiking around. There was a rattlesnake on this trail, by the way, this day. I'm not a, I, I can't be hiking in this blazing hot weather up and down and all of these dangerous things. I've got my dad to do that for me. Same about when kids are wrong. Here is potentially that same day. This is at the Yosemite Theater. We're just trying to get a break from the heat. And if you look at a kid and you say, hey, you're doing it wrong. That's not how you do it. They smile a cute little thing. They let you take their picture and then they go, oh, okay. And then they just sort of fix it. They don't do this big, long, drawn-out thing. It's not this huge deal. They made a mistake. They move on. Kids are remarkable at that. Remember a few weeks ago, I showed you this image again. This is how we're taught to pray. Kids aren't embarrassed about yanking on the knee, about saying, hey, help, I got a problem here. Here's number two. Kids are completely trusting, right? Kids are completely trusting. I'm trying to advance. There we go. Leave it there. Kids are completely trusting. Um, so here we have Tegan and Eli, just being Tegan and Eli. It looks like Eli might have like jumped out of a helicopter without a, a parachute. It's not quite that high, but it looks pretty epic the way he's posed there. But a couple of summers ago, we found this little slice of a river. It kind of had it all to ourselves, and we just had a blast um, jumping and doing all kinds of like adrenaline, um, yeah, adrenaline things that, that made us very happy. Um, and and uh, here's, what, here's what was included with this, is there was a whole bunch of trust that went along with this. There's a whole bunch of asking, is this okay? And we're like, yep, thumbs up. Listen to Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Psalm 56, 3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. This is the way that we're to trust God. I want to show you something that I'm going to call throw out. It's different than throw up. Throw up's not very fun. Throw out is super fun, but because it has sort of this um, adrenaline component to it. Now, as you watch this video, here's what I want you to see. I want you to watch for the fact that both the, my older son and my younger son, both of them are looking directly into the camera. They both sort of check in with the camera. I'm holding the camera. So they're, they're checking in with dad to go, is this a good idea? Because teens understand. Like, they don't come with a plan. They just do stuff. And plans are mostly optional and mostly forgotten, especially for males, I've found. But they both check in with the camera. Watch for it really carefully. Um, this is something that I call um, throw out. Here we go. Um, throw them out. All right, ready? Come here. One, two, three. All right, so grow up and become like children. Children are awesome at checking in with the father when things seem super fun but scary. So do that. Here's the third one. Kids, you're awesome at being oblivious. Now, I mean that in the nicest of ways. Uh, it's just true. Uh, parents, you save the lives of your children, uh, at least on a weekly basis, uh, from dangerous decisions uh, that are foiled by a parent saying, yeah, you're not going to do that, um, to, to food that might be fed to them, to food that is thought to be food by babies, but you take it out of their mouth before it goes down the gullet, um, to all these different things, right? We keep our kids from drowning and choking and getting lost and eating shampoo and all the other stuff like that. Kids, you are oblivious. Check out Kaya. Go full screen for a second. Here's Kaya sharing the dog bed and then using a guitar as her teddy bear. 
Here's what kids, our parents do. We walk by, we take note that the worst that could possibly happen to Kaya in this moment is she might get a few fleas, maybe she would get a splinter from snuggling a guitar, but we're all good. So we take a picture and we move on. Now here's the thing, God is like the parent in that way. He sustains and provides so consistently that it is not obvious to us. In fact, we are oblivious to it. We just think this is how the world works. He does it with such consistency that we just think this is how the world works. When he removes his hand, when he removes his shelter, all of a sudden it rains on us. All of a sudden something happens and we think the world is ending, not realizing God has been shielding us all this time. Listen to Colossians 1.17. It says, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Whether we see it or not, acknowledge it or not, God is providing and protecting and guiding. Good behavior doesn't earn it, and our failures haven't ruined it. Think about this. Even when you ask God for something, he already knows better than you do what you need. Matthew 6, Jesus talking. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Watch this. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So grow up and become like children. Awesome at being oblivious. Able to rest in God without figuring it all out. Okay, number four. Number four is this. Kids are awesome at going along on the adventure without needing all the details and having all of their what-ifs answered. Go full screen for a second on that because that's hard to read. I get it. But if your kids are there, you can read that font. You can help your parents figure it out. Going along on the adventure without needing all the details and having their what-ifs answered. Okay, now I have um, a couple of... Uh, here's what I thought about this. I thought the best way to, to illustrate this would be to, to, to bring a couple of babies here with me. Now, I don't have any babies anymore, but the, the best I can do with babies is my six-year-olds. So six-year-olds, come on up, and we have a couple of special visitors uh, along with us today. So come on up here, guys. Is this your first time on TV? Yeah. Woo! Welcome to TV land. There's Tate. You feel secure there, Tate? All right, we're going to put you there, and we'll put Everly right here. Okay, now these are my two six-year-olds, and um, I just have a couple questions for you guys, okay? Um, do you guys remember last Saturday, last Saturday night, Daddy said this. Daddy said, everyone, get shoes on, go potty, and load up. Remember that? Yeah. And we all, we all got our shoes on, and we went potty, and we loaded up in the van. What did we go and do? We went on a walk. Where was it? In the city or in the, in the wilderness? Wilderness. Out in the wilderness. Yeah. Now, here's a couple of questions for you. Why do you think, did Daddy tell you beforehand, hey, here's what we're going to do, or did I just say load up? Yeah. You remember? I just said load up, right? Most of the time, I just say load up, don't I? I just say load up. And sometimes if you say, where are we going? I might say we're going to church, but sometimes I say, ah, you'll find out. You'll find out when you find out, Okay. Um, so here's a question for you. Tate, did you worry about what supplies you should bring on that drive, or did you just go potty, get your shoes, and load up? Go potty and go to shoes, but then load up. The 
That's right. You didn't bring any supplies. You didn't even worry about your supplies, huh? Now, Everly, did you stop and fix your hair and put a pretty bow and get matching clothes and make sure you looked perfect? Or did you just go load up? Load up. You just loaded up. Why didn't you get all pretty and perfect? Because we had to go. We had to go. We had to just get in the car and go. Okay, um, Tate, did you worry about the weather before we went? Were you concerned about whether it was going to rain or snow or hail or be hot? Or did you just get up and go? Get up and go. You didn't worry about the weather, huh? You're a kid. You don't need to worry about that. Okay, now, Everly, did you offer to drive the car? No. No? Did you bring any money with you? Did you bring money with you? No. You guys didn't offer to drive. You didn't offer to chip in for gas. You're you didn't do. You're too little. I know. Um, so here's the thing. But here's the question. Did you guys have fun? Yeah. Yes. Did you guys have a blast with it? Yeah. Did one of our pets go with us? Yeah. Was it the snake? No. Was it one of the kitties? No. No. Was it the doggy? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we had the doggy. And guess what? Mommy, mommy stayed home and got some sanity. Right? <laughs> mommy got a little special sanity time. What? She just did. She had fun as well, even though normally she wants to go. Now, here's one last question. Do you guys want to do that again? Yeah. Do you guys want to go again sometime? Yeah. Okay. Can you guys look right over near Briley, which is near the camera, and wave and say, we miss you, NBC. We miss you, NBC. Okay. All right. Thank you for joining me in TV land. I'll see you at home in a little bit. Bye, guys. Bye. All right. All right. Thanks to my helpers. Um, let me move on. Uh, number five is this. Oh, there's a picture. That's a picture of us. In case they didn't remember what went on last Saturday, that was my prompt to remind them. Um, here's number five is kids are awesome at keeping their eyes on the parents. Just like with the boys that were checking in uh, on, on things, if you watch little kids and read their faces, um, what you'll see is this. If they're playing in an area and then a loud noise happens, Here's what they'll do. You watch them. They'll check with mom. And if mom is chit-chatting with her friend or whatever, and then she looks at it and smiles at little baby or little kid, you know what little kid does? Okay, mom heard the sound. Mom's given the all clear. I'm going back to just exploring my world and being adventurous and checking out what's going on. They don't waste another moment on that sound. Why? Because of who they're with. You watch this. Little kids check in all the time. A healthy relationship, they will always be checking back in with mom or dad, with their parents, with their caretakers. They'll be looking to them and seeing. Not only is it safe, but also, did you see that? Did you see me? Do you see me? Right? If they do anything, they go, dad, watch. Mom, watch. Look at this. Look over here. Sometimes they will take your face and they will do it because you're distracted. Kids will always be checking in to see if they're doing it. Uh, Eli was working out. I didn't ask you ahead of time, Eli, but I hope you're okay with it. He was doing, he was doing this workout. I mean, we've got a kids doing just workout. So he's doing this and he's looking over at me. He's all, uh-huh. He's making sure that I was looking at him, right? Because kids want to be seen by their parents. Uh, we, one of the things I miss uh, a lot with this is the end of the school year. I didn't get to do it, but uh, Fridays I made a day off and, and, and one Friday a month or something, my wife would go into the school with me. We, we, would, we would go together as a team and do Art Vista. So we would teach kindergartners different art kinds of things. And what was so incredible about that is uh, whether we were making clay figures or painting fish or uh, using all sorts of different things, um, when, when you're with kindergartners... Guess what? Everyone's an artist. Everyone knows how to do this. 
You show them just a tiny bit, and they're off and running. And you know what kindergartners don't do a lot of? Is they don't look at other people's artwork with a snooty artwork lover's glare. They walk around, and they think it's interesting, and they just try not to step on it. That's sort of their big goal. But they're interested in seeing what others have to do, but they're not trying to see with others, am I doing it right and trying to copy? They're just doing it because they're artists, and they want to express what they want to express. And I so miss that. Uh, they just have this joy of creating. But one of the things that they want is they, they still want the adults in the room's attention. Hey, come take a look at mine. Come, come look at what I made. And then they will have to explain it because I never know what it is. It's hard to interpret. Um, I am short on time. I've got so many of these, but I, I put seven in your thing. I'll get to all seven. I'll do it quickly though. Um, here's number six is kids are awesome at living in the moment. Kids are just awesome at living in the moment. You know, children aren't nervous about the future and they're not sweating the past. The older we get, the more we do this, right? By middle school, I mean, certainly by late elementary, middle school, we start getting this sense of, oh, I'm so worried about the future and I'm really sweating the past. But little children live in the moment. They have this innate ability to live and show what they're feeling right now without much thought given to it. In fact, here's what's really fascinating. You can watch the emotions and moods of children, their likes and their dislikes, um, actually move through their countenance. And, and actually, you can watch it by muscles tensing or relaxing. If you're holding a child, if you're in tune with this, you can see into the soul of your child. You can see it because they're so good at just putting it out there. We're not going to take time to do this, but kids, remember this, okay? Once we hit pause on this, once church is over today, play this little game. Play this little game where, um, where, where your parents just say something like this, show me uh, uh, if, if you are having fun. And then kids, you could, you could demonstrate what that looks like. Show me what it's like to be bored. Show me what it's like to be scared. Show me the fact that you just got a birthday present that you've been wishing for and you're crazy excited. Show me sad. Show me worried. Show me sleepy. You know what will happen? Kids know this. Kids can get in touch with that immediately. And if you watch for them and if you speak their dialect, if you're paying attention, again, you get to have this really honest connection with them and see into their soul. And there's not these masks and things happening. Now, let me just give you a little warning that kids living in the moment also can feel like the bane of your existence. One of the things that we do is we say, go potty, get shoes, and load up. And sometimes in the get shoes piece, our youngest man, little Tate, who was just up here with me, um, I'll be trying to get everything else, making sure everyone's going, did you go potty? Do you have shoes? We have the stuff for the dog. Where's my keys? All that stuff. And then I look at Tate. He still only has one shoe. And I go, Tate, where's your other shoe, buddy? Like I asked you a long time ago to get your shoes on. And Tate says, look, I didn't even, I mean, this is when he doesn't actually say this. But he's thinking, I didn't even know I needed shoes until three seconds ago. Why? Because I'm a kid. I live in the moment. And so I don't plan ahead and put my shoes in a spot, even though you try to teach me that, Dad. I need my shoe now. I'll start looking for it. But in the midst of looking for one shoe, which he finds very quickly, he sees a train track on the floor, and he thinks, you know what? This train track needs a bend right here. So he's got a rummage shoe. He's finding a bend, the perfect bend in that train track, while Dad comes along and says, yeah, what's happening? How come you're not looking for shoes? Because kids live in the moment. Can't you imagine God the Father with us? 
Can't you imagine that we as adults, if we would grow and live in the moment and be present here, how much delightful interaction could go on with God leading and instructing us day by day, praying for daily grace, praying for daily bread, praying daily for forgiveness and restoration. All right, let me give you, how many more do I have? Let me give you one more. Uh, The last one is this. Kids are incredible at welcoming. So this whole idea is welcoming children. You know who's good at that? Kids. Kids are good at welcoming. And built into that word welcome is that kids are freely loving of people. Kids are quick to forgive. You watch kids, they, they, make, they form easy bonds. They form easy friendships. When there's a rift, it can be mended very, very quickly, oftentimes with children. So on display every single week with our kids here um, is, is children in our midst, welcoming and receiving not only other people, but welcoming and receiving the love and the truth of God. Church, by the authority of Jesus, be like them. Be childlike in receiving the kingdom of God as a child does. You know, we're on a mission as a church We're looking to turn strangers into neighbors and by God's grace to turn neighbors into family. And the closest people for most of us to love our neighbor as ourself, to bear witness to Jesus Christ is these little people living in our homes. These little people that are all around us all the time. So we as a church, a part of heading is family. And what that means is this, church, we are rallying to come alongside you as you raise disciples. That is an important key part of what we're doing. We're going to sing in just a minute. And as we do, I want to send you off because we're going to sing this truth in just a minute. That you are children. As sophisticated as you are, as long as you've lived, as much as you may have lost touch with some of these childlike ways, you are children. Jesus says you must be born again. Jesus says we must receive the gift of God like a child. That's who it belongs to. The Bible is like a neon sign flashing this important truth. Grow to a point in your life where you leave childish ways behind and become childlike. Ephesians 5, 1 fits here. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is so key because its truth is being traded for a lie. Here's the lie. The lie is this, that your greatest need is to be loved. And so you go on a search for it. And maybe you get married and maybe you berate your spouse because he or she isn't giving the way you want. Maybe you silently pull away from people because they aren't loving you like you need them to love you. That's the lie. Here's the truth. When the light comes, it exposes the lie and it replaces the lie with the truth. You want to know the truth? You are already the beloved. You already have the attention of the Father. You already have His eye and his care, and his watchfulness. So your need to be loved is already met in him. That's where we run deep into finding it. So that means that your greatest need is not to be loved. You already have it. Simply receive it. 
But your greatest need is to learn to love, to walk in love. And that's our greatest need. One of the ways I maintain my childlike identity, and you can, find, you can plug your own in here, but I jotted down a couple of things. I keep kids' artwork in my office and in my home. I've constantly got, in fact, I still have one of Ben's kid, Gabe. It's a picture of me preaching. It's up in my office. I love kids' artwork all around. It reminds me of, of children. Um, just being around kids is helpful. Um, to practice welcoming and really see kids. This is what I do. Another thing I do is I pray for children. I pray for my children. I pray for other children. And that keeps me maintaining a childlike identity. And here's the last one. I repent when I have an attitude of superiority. I repent when I feel annoyed. I repent when I'm dismissive of those smallest people around me. These are ways that I'm reminded to imitate God as a beloved child. Church, we're about to sing. And I just want to say this word. You are not an only child. You belong to the household of God. So sing. Make, make your mouth, make your body express what's true in your heart. There's something powerful when those two things come together. Don't stand there and mouth the words. Sing out your identity. Call out to God in celebration, knowing that your spiritual siblings are singing along with you, right where they're striving in place.